0: Good morning, Oak Ridge. Wednesday was a great day. It was a day off, and after breakfast, my wife and I were sitting there wondering how we were going to spend it, and I said to her, Let's break out of here. So we got in the car and we we drove down to Niagara on the Lake, one of our favorite spots, arguably one of the prettiest towns in in, uh, Canada. And uh, we just walked up and down the main street. We walked by the lake for a little bit. We looked at the gardens. Usually there's great plumage in the gardens, but uh, we, we, all the foliage was missing. But there were a few crocuses that were coming up through the ground bearing hope that there was going to be a wonderful display in the spring. The temperature was amazing. It was warmer than here. It was about 22 degrees there and it was sunny. We stopped at a spot on Main Street and we we bought some gelato and we we sat on a a park bench and we ate our gelato in the sunshine. We also stopped and and had a bit of fudge. Please don't tell my cardiologist about this. (laughs) Uh, It was great. And I was thinking to myself, all is well with the world. All is well with the world. We had a great day. It's one of those times when everything was just uh, uh, coming together nicely. The next morning, I looked at one of the news headlines, and it said uh, third wave coming for COVID. Uh, I thought the pandemic was over, and I hoped it was going to be over when the spring came, but... No such, no such uh, luck. Because of mutations of the virus and the variants that were coming, people are are predicting that uh, we're going to go back into a third wave and there's going to be more lockdowns. And I tell you, all of the good vibes that I had on Wednesday disappeared on Thursday. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I was feeling kind of sick. All of the hope that I had on Wednesday kind of disappeared on Thursday. And that's what happens in this world. And that's the kind of of, uh, 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 ride that we're on when it comes to hope. Hope goes up and hope can go down depending on the circumstances of our life. I want to talk today about hope. Last time we talked about faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see the the essence of faith is believing the unseen and we talked about that a few weeks ago because in order to have Uh, Faith you have to reach out to the unseen God. God is not seen with our physical eyes Even when we get to heaven, we're not going to see God because God himself the father Does not take on a physical form so in a sense we're going to have to live by faith forever In order to comprehend and in order to see God We're gonna see Jesus because he took a physical body. We're gonna see him in heaven, but we're not gonna see God the Father. So God is teaching us, you see, to believe the unseen and to walk believing the unseen. Hope is a derivation of faith. As it says in this verse, faith is being sure of what we hope for. So the two ideas are related. Hope is faith directed to the future. I have faith in the future, that's, that's hope. Hope is faith in the future. So hope in the regular sense is the expectation of good in the future. That's what hope is when we talk about it in common parlance. It's, it's, it's a, a, an expectation that something good is gonna happen tomorrow. I'm Gonna have one of those great days that I had on Wednesday and enjoy the sunshine and the warm weather. Now Christian hope goes beyond that, goes beyond the expectation of good to the expectation of God. That's what Christian hope is. It's not just the expectation of good, but there's another layer, a greater layer that that the, the believer has in faith. They expect God, not just good. The expectation of God is what Christian hope is. I believe that God not only worked in the past and he is working in the present but he will work in the future for his glory and for my blessing and he has made promises to that effect. Believing in those promises and having a sureness that they will happen and then choosing to invest in them is what the Bible calls Christian hope. And the measure of our hope, make no mistake about it, is not just an assent to what God is saying concerning the future, but it's an investment in what God is saying concerning the future. That's what real Christian hope is. The future then is as bright as the promises of God are sure. We read the promises. Concerning tomorrow and we say I believe in them and I'm going to act upon them. That's what real Christian hope is and In the Bible it is clear that God Has centered his plans for the future around his son Jesus Christ Jesus is our hope and God tells us Jesus is your hope He's the hope of the nations. He's the hope of the world. He is our hope. Listen to this verse in Ephesians. And he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. In other words the future in God's eyes is Christ. And he's going to bring everything in heaven and in earth under the headship of one person that is his son the Lord Jesus Christ. When the times have reached their fulfillment. So the future is about Christ. It's not about democracy, as good as that might be. It's not about communism ruling the world. It's not about socialism ruling the world. It's not about money and who has the most. It's not about human power. It's not about man's armies controlling the world. That is not the future of mankind. The future of mankind is Christ. As the hymn says, our hope is in the Lord. Now as Mike has already begun to tell us when we were having communion, and I thought for a while he was going to steal my whole sermon, (laughs) in Christ we have so much to look forward to. We've got so much to look forward to in Christ. Now there are two great pillars of hope that God calls us to believe in. And they are this. The hope to be with Christ and the hope to be like Christ. Those are the two pillars of hope. The hope to be with Christ and the hope to be like Christ. First of all I want to focus in on the hope to be with Christ. There's some wonderful verses some text verses that tell us that we're going to be with Christ. Mike has already given us a wonderful text verse in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 and uh, what a wonderful wonderful part of hope is this idea that I am going to be with the Lord. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, I will never leave you, God says. I will never ever forsake you. What does that mean? I'm going to be with the Lord forever because he's never going to leave me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39, it says nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Forever I'm going to be surrounded with the love of God in Christ Jesus. Forever. Enveloped with his gracious, tender care. Forever. Never, never without Christ. And Jesus says of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says concerning the Spirit, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of God is living inside of me and I will always have him because he says I'll be with you forever these and many other verses assure me that I'm going to be with the Lord forever I will be with Christ now when I believe and act upon these promises to that degree I am hoping in Christ. I'm expecting God I'm expecting Christ now this hope to be with Christ can be divided into three parts because there's three aspects of hoping to be with the Lord there's the hope for heaven there's the hope for Christ's return and there's the hope to walk with Christ tomorrow hope of heaven that's the long-distance view The hope of heaven, the hope of Christ's return, and the hope to walk with Christ tomorrow. Let's look at these three aspects of hoping to be with the Lord. What happens when I die? For believers, death death is the end of life, and it's the end of hope. Because all they see is human life, and when human life ebbs and ends, that's it, it's over. The grave is a great emptiness, a great darkness. There's a great finality, a sad finality to life in the grave. The believer hopes in the promises of God, the promises that are centered in Christ and and we've already, we've already considered these words, because I live, you shall live also. That's what Jesus says. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Our bodies go to the grave. Yes, and they remain there until the resurrection. But our souls and our spirits, when they are separated from the body, they rise to be with Christ in glory. Never to be separated from the Lord forever. So the Apostle Paul could say, I prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord looking forward to the possibility that he was going to be executed at any moment he could say that well this is my preference now death is an ugly thing but you see the Lord has robbed death of its sting and the sting of death is the curse of sin, is that when we die, we're separated from God forever. And so what the Lord did was remove the stinger from death. Because he says, you should die. You're in heaven with me. And that's going to be wonderful. And Paul says, I'd prefer that. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. John 14, verses 1 and 2. What a wonderful, hopeful thought is this. The Lord Jesus is preparing a place for us in glory. A place to live. As Mike referred to in the restaurant, you know, the little sign says Reserved place reserved for you in glory and the Lord says I'm going to prepare that place for you that's heaven heaven is a physical place for a physical people a wonderful place that God is building that Jesus is building for us and is going to take us there to be with him forever now this hope for heaven has helped many believers When they were put to the test, do I hold on to this life? Or do I sacrifice my life for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? It's helped many people face martyrdom because they knew that there was a greater life waiting for them in glory. It has afforded many believers a great peace about their last breath because they know they are not facing the dark unknown but rather the loving arms of Jesus open to receive them into heaven. I told this story to you before, but I'm going to tell it again. It was many years ago when my Kathy and I were working at Kalani Mission Hospital and Margaret Hewitt was one of the nurses and, and she was caring for one of our patients who was dying with rabies. We couldn't help her. The rabies vaccination was beyond... Uh, her present state she was dying with rabies and it's a terrible death going into great spasms and and yet still having a clear sensorium she, she knew what was happening to her but she was choking to death and when the spasm ended she sat up and she talked to the ladies around her including Margaret our the missionary nurse And she said, don't weep for me. Jesus is coming right now to take me to glory. I see him. And she laid back down and she died. In the arms of Jesus. She said, don't weep for me. Jesus is coming right now. She saw him. What a solace. What a wonderful, wonderful experience. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. What about you? Are you hoping to be with the Lord in heaven? Are you expecting that that is what's going to happen to you should you take your last breath today? This is your manifest destiny if you are a child of God. As Lou pointed out last week, it's the real reality. Heaven is the real reality. This world is passing away, but heaven is forever. Some of you remember Harry Blair, a, a brother who was at Oak Ridge years ago, and he shared the word with us. He stood here and he raised a thin pencil, just a, a pen. He, he would take it out of his pocket. He said, now, that the width of that pencil is, is like the whole the whole course of time from eternity to eternity. That's the whole course of time. Let's liken it to the, w- the width of that pen or pencil. And then she's, he said, I want you to look with me over to that wall of the auditorium and over to that wall of the auditorium and that's sort of like eternity. It's hard for us to get our minds around the fact that there's a limitlessness to eternity. So let's just think of it as big. Very, very big. This is the whole course of time. That's eternity. And we're going to be in that eternity in heaven with the Lord. Now, if this is the course of time, you see, it takes on a certain smallness compared with eternity. We're going to be in heaven with the Lord for countless ages of time. This world's passing away. Heaven is coming. Even though we face troubles in this time on earth, we will have all the time we could ever want in glory with Jesus. It will be a place of rest, a place of reward, a place of recreation. I know one of my buddies, Marty, is looking to tee off on the, on the first hole of the golf course in heaven when he gets to glory. Yeah, it's going to be there. There's going to be recreation in heaven. Of course, golf will be there because golf is holy ground. (laughs) But best of all, you see, there's going to be relationship, not just rest and reward and recreation. It's going to be relationship with the Lord in glory. That's the best of all. We're going to be with the best friend we could ever have. We're going to be with Jesus. Now, believers who are strong in hope have a longing for that heaven. They set their minds on it because that's where Jesus is. And the earth is less real because they know the real reality is heaven. And when it comes time to lose the things of earth, be they things or or human relationships, they can let those things slip easily, more easily from their fingers because they know that heaven awaits. They don't have to grasp this world so strongly. That's what Christian hope does. It frees me from being tied to this world. That's heaven. That's the first aspect of Christian hope. Another aspect of Christian hope is the hope for Christ's return. And then I'm going to be with the Lord when he returns. Let me finish the verse in John chapter 14 because it says this. Verse 3. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And this is the great truth concerning Christ's return. Another verse in Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says this, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Interesting, he calls this the blessed hope. The appearing, the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ to take his people to be with him in glory. Why is it called the blessed hope? Well, I think I have an idea about that it's the blessed hope because we don't have to pass through death see if you're going to get to heaven the regular route you have to die but there's going to be a generation of us and I believe that this present generation is probably the most qualified generation for the coming of the Lord and my sincere hope is that we're going to see the coming of the Lord many, most of us here, I believe, are going to see the coming of the Lord. We don't have to die. We bypass death. We are transformed in a moment. The old body falls away. The new body comes to us. A body that's prepared to live forever with the Lord in glory. And we rise up to meet the Lord in the air are going to be with him forever. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And there, then he adds this very good little verse he says encourage each other with these words we ought to talk about the coming of the lord that's what he's saying when will this happen i don't know all i know is i'm waiting for it i'm longing for it we do know that there will be signs of his impending return and those signs are spoken of in the scriptures and we need to learn some of those signs because they're happening today We don't know the exact day or the hour that the Lord is coming, but we can discern the timing of it because we see the signs upon us. Never in the history of the world has there been such a gathering of signs to augur Christ's return. We don't know the day or the hour, but the Lord wants us to watch and to wait and to hope for his return. Dear brother and sister, Are you hoping for Christ's return? I remember a medical student and his wife visiting Chitokaloki as part of their medical course. They were believers, and we had some great conversations about medicine with them, but also we talked about the Lord. I shared with them this teaching on the Lord's return, and he replied, I don't want Jesus to come yet. I want to graduate from medical school first. And then uh, I want to practice for a few years. Oh, and yes, I want to go into specialty training because I, I want to be a specialist. And also I, I want to have my children and I want them to, to be able to grow up and I want to be able to see them grow and flourish. All of these things are wonderful hopes. Nothing wrong with these hopes. And he's a fine guy and he had a fine hope for the future. But you see, what the Word says is this. We've got to hope for the coming of the Lord. And if that's not our first hope, we just don't love the Lord enough. If that's not our hope, to hope to see Him face to face, we don't love the Lord enough. We love other things before we love the Lord. So the most wonderful Uh, uh, verse at the end of the scriptures closes with a a prayer of the saints. It says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you pray that prayer? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Lord, I want you to come back again. And I'm not going to put any other earthly desire in front of your coming back again. That's Christian hope. Christian hope is putting seeing Jesus first. Whether you see anything else happen in your life. Not that the other things aren't unimportant, but Jesus is most important. And to long for him is to actually practice Christian hope. You don't long for the coming of the Lord, you're weak in hope. But what if I don't die and go to heaven tomorrow? or What if the Lord doesn't come tomorrow? Is there hope for tomorrow? Yes. And here's the third aspect of being with the Lord, the hope to walk with Jesus tomorrow. Jesus promises his people, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is Jesus with us? Because you see physically, he's gone home to glory and that's where he is today. But by his spirit, he is everywhere in every place and specially does he reside in the hearts of those who have trusted in him by his spirit. So we can say of a surety, Jesus is with me right now. Now what do you see in your day tomorrow? Well, it's gonna be Monday. There's an old song that says, Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Back to the routine. If there can be such a routine, such a thing as routine in in these days of COVID, but perhaps there is a medical appointment that you're looking at and you fear that result. Perhaps things are difficult at work and you fear being laid off. Perhaps there's financial stresses. And you look at tomorrow and it doesn't look good. Perhaps there's conflict in your marriage or family and you dread things getting worse. Or perhaps you are imagining a good day. Driving down to Niagara-on-the-Lake and having some gelato in the sunshine. But in all these scenarios, do you envision Jesus with you? The Lord will be with me. Not physically but in spirit is he there in your mind's eye when you face that big exam at school there to help you and to bring you through that is the practice of Christian hope Christian hope projects in your mind's eye projects Jesus into the experience of tomorrow if you don't see Jesus you're not practicing Christian hope if you think that, oh, I have to face that trial by myself, you are not practicing Christian hope. The practice of Christian hope is the ability and the commitment to see Christ in your tomorrow. It is the anticipation that the Lord will be with me and will help me and will bring me through. I spoke of worrying a few weeks ago and I told you I confess it's one of my sins I'm tempted to worry and I hope you have all repented of it by now I'm repenting of it I'm I'm repenting of worrying worrying is a fearful consideration of all that could go wrong and with the belief that as long as I keep worrying about it the worst won't happen as if somehow I can keep on thinking about what might go wrong tomorrow, and in thinking about it, the worst won't happen. That is the art of worry. I don't commend it to you. But one thing worriers forget to do, and I have often forgotten to do, is to include Christ in your tomorrow. If you want to put an end to worrying, make a commitment to do this. I'm going to put Christ in every consideration of what might happen tomorrow. And I'm going to trust that he'll be with me and then he'll bring me through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, for what? You're with me. You're with me. So we who want to grow in hope choose to put the Lord in all our tomorrows. Plan on his presence. Expect his power to work for you tomorrow, and that's the practice of Christian hope. Now, there's another part of hope entirely, And for the last few minutes, we're going to talk about this this aspect of Christian hope. Not only is it the hope to be with the Lord, but it's the hope to be like the Lord. Listen to these verses in 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3. It says, we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he Jesus is pure when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure first John chapter 3 verse 2 and 3 now God is righteous and his son is pure and holy we've been talking about heaven you know heaven is a holy place for a holy people would be most, a most uncomfortable place for the unholy to be in heaven. Very uncomfortable place. C.S. Lewis often said the door to hell is locked from the inside. The last thing they want to comp- contemplate as unholy people is a holy place. But heaven is a holy place for a holy people and so God is preparing us for heaven by making us holy. It says in 1 Peter 1 and 16, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. This is one of the chief signs, by the way, that a person is truly saved. They have a new desire to be right with God. They have a new desire to be holy. They have a hope to be godly, to be righteous as their Savior is. Galatians chapter 5 and 6 puts it this way, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. God puts in our hearts when we become Christians a desire for righteousness, a desire to be good. You know, one thing that causes a believer to lose hope is moral failure, and we've all experienced it. We stumble and fall. We all do at one point or another. We get discouraged. We become despondent concerning our sin and our ability to escape it. And we become disillusioned. And we may even drop out of the race, running the race for Jesus. I'm sure Peter felt that way. The apostle Peter felt that way when he denied the Lord three times on the night Jesus was arrested. So confident was he that he boasted even though all others would abandon the Lord, he would not. But he did. In times like that, I need to remember the hope of righteousness. I may fail, but the Lord will not fail. Not only does he call me to be holy, he promises me that I'll be holy. Did you know that? That's how how sure your hope is. The hope of righteousness is a promise that you're going to get there. It's a sure thing. Listen to this promise. Verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. For those that God knew beforehand would trust in him, He predestined them to be conformed to the likeness of his son. You're going to look like Jesus when you get to heaven. Now, for many of us, that's a stretch. Because we look at ourselves in the mirror, so to speak, and we say, well, I'm not ready yet. You know what? If the Lord takes you to heaven today, bingo, bango, you're going to be ready because he's going to cleanse you and he's going to make you right for glory. But what he really wants us to do is invest in the process. Lord, I don't want to have to have have a major transformation of my life when I get to glory for the Lord to cleanse me and make me holy so I can go into heaven. I want to long for holiness now so that the transformation is a process that concludes in my glorious entrance into heaven. Now that's what Christian hope does makes us desire holiness so we can be ready to meet the Lord in glory. So believers have a strong desire for righteousness. They want to be like Jesus. It says of Jesus in Psalm chapter 45 verse 7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness, therefore God your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. That's what it says, that's a a prophecy concerning Jesus. Jesus hated wickedness, he loved righteousness. You see, he was practicing hope. He hated wickedness, he loved righteousness. And what was the byproduct of it? He was anointed with the oil of joy above all his fellows. Now the world's got it all wrong they think that real pleasure lies in sin and if heaven is a holy place for a holy people there there won't be any pleasure there boy have they ever got it wrong I love uh, Psalm 16 it's one of my favorite psalms and at the end of Psalm 16 it says you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore I'm looking for a place of pleasure dear friends and it's going to be heaven it's going to be pleasurable because the God of joy has created a place of joy for his people. And if I am longing for righteousness today, I can have true joy. There's no true joy without righteousness. It's fake joy. It's temporal happiness that, that comes and goes so quickly. You can't have true happiness and true joy without true righteousness. Because Jesus was the holy son of God. He he, he was anointed with the oil of joy above all all his fellows. Righteousness begets joy. you have a desire for righteousness and holiness? If it is weak, then just pray. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me from my sin of not desiring righteousness. And choose hope. Ask for God to kindle the hope of righteousness in you. Seek for it with all your heart. Now, when we talked about faith three weeks ago, we discussed three aspects of faith. Faith is a gift. Remember that? Faith is a gift. Faith is a choice. Faith is a discipline. Hope is the same thing. If we are weak in hope, the first thing to do is ask for hope. Oh, Lord, please give me hope. I'm weak on it, I'm on empty. I've got despair. I'm disillusioned. I'm disappointed with life. But Lord, I'm gonna ask you to fill my tank with hope. You can do that because the Lord says, ask and you shall receive. Lord, I, I have trouble seeing you in my future. Please give me eyes to see you in every day of my life going forward. I want to know the hope of his calling. I want to have hope. Please give me hope, Lord. Please show me the reality of your coming. Please help me to put you front and center in all my future plans and dreams. Hope is a gift. Ask for it. Hope is a choice. Lord, I confess that other things occupy my heart more fully than Christ and his kingdom. I long for the things of earth more than for you. Lord, forgive me. I choose to put you first from now on. Hope is a choice. I choose to hope in the Lord. I choose to expect Jesus in my day tomorrow. I choose to long for the Lord's coming. I choose to set my heart on heaven. Hope is a discipline. Lord, my sincere desire is to live in hope so I will commit myself to you every day try this one on why not pray that that last prayer of the believer in in the end of the book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 I believe Lord come quickly why don't you just start praying that every day that's a discipline of hope that's a discipline of hope Lord come quickly I will live with the sense of urgency as though this is the day of the Lord's coming because I want to be morally well and serving you when, I, when, when you come. And if you don't come, come today, I will reckon that the only sure thing about tomorrow, they say, they say the only sure thing about tomorrow is death and taxes. No, it's not. For the Christian, the, the only sure thing about tomorrow is that Jesus will be with me. That's the only sure thing about tomorrow. The only sure thing. Jesus will be with me, and I want to be like him. So every decision I make in life will be with a view to advance your kingdom and accomplish your purposes. I don't want to have regrets about wasted time and energy and opportunities in my life. I want to hear you say, well done, when I see your face. When I stray from this path, Lord, I give you full liberty to discipline me in any way that you deem fit so that I will be holy. So cleanse me, Lord, without within or purge by fire, if that must be. No matter how, if only sin die out in me, die out in me. It's an old hymn. One that I memorized because it touched my heart. Lord, you're my future. And my heart's deepest desire, I long for you. Amen. Amen. <laughs>